and welcome to the Final Girls podcast. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, every season we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism, looking at a particular trope in depth and how it's evolved through horror history. We're now fully and running up to the end of our season dedicated to vampires, or as I've been calling them throughout all of these episodes, the most elegant and the horniest of monsters. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a vampire movie or two, where we discuss the films in detail and try to contextualize them and think about what works and what doesn't. In today's episode, there's going to be a lot of chat about what does not work, because we are taking a look at one of the most financially successful vampire franchises of the noughties, Underworld. Led by Kate Beckinsale as the leather-clad vampire warrior Celine, the first Underworld film and, well, to be honest, the rest of the franchise, explores the idea that there is a centuries-old feud between vampires and werewolves. And this might be coming to a head with the appearance of a man who might be able to unite the two monster clans by becoming a vampire-werewolf-human hybrid? There's a lot of fighting. That is the central premise of a franchise that now spans three sequels to the original film, a prequel, and a TV show that's now in development. And I'm joined in this episode by the brilliant writer, presenter, and podcaster Louise Blaine to eviscerate this entire franchise. Let's just say I have not revisited this film in about a decade. And Louise had never seen them before recording this episode. So it was a journey. And before we go into the episode itself, we have to thank our supporters, Arrow Video, who have made this entire vampire season possible. And Arrow Video bring out the very best in cult and horror films and specialize in deluxe home entertainment editions. They've also now got an online streaming service called Arrow Player, where you can watch a lot of the films that they've also put out on Blu-rays and physical releases. And throughout the season, we are recommending a film that we love from their vast collection. This week, our pick is the very campy horror comedy Elvira Mistress of the Dark which is brimming with boob puns and double entendres and helps solidify the horror hostess as a pop culture icon and with all of that said if you're new to the podcast please know that we discuss the films in detail pretty much from the very beginning so if you're averse to spoilers of any kind consider this your warning and if you really don't mind and you don't think that you're really gonna watch the underworld films anyway Please enjoy our discussion of the Underworld franchise. Louise, welcome back into the podcast. How are you doing? Anna, thank you for having me. How are you? I am very good. I'm very glad my cat has shut up. My fever has gone down and mm -hmm. I'm chatting to you this evening. So I think it's all, all in all, it's a big win. It's a win for me too. <laughs> So we're going to be chatting about the entirety of the Underworld franchise. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I said to you, oh, I'll watch the Underworld movies because I've never seen the Underworld movies. I was like, sure, I'll help Anna out. You're like, yeah, you want to talk about vampires? Sure. I was like, how bad can vampires be? I love vampires. Vampires are great. So I said yes. 
And then it got closer and you emailed me like, yeah, you, when are you going to do this? And it's like, oh, now I need to watch them. And then I watched them and now we're having this conversation. And that was a journey, Anna. That was a journey. So mm-hmm. I love introducing films to people, but I feel like perhaps I should apologize. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. What were your overall, and before we go into the specifics of some of the films, because there are mm-hmm. five films in the franchise now, yes. we're going to go into moderate depth on two and a half of them. Yes. What are your overall impressions of Underworld World? It's like The Matrix had a really bad vampire hangover. <laughs> it's, it's just loads of jawlines and boots and brooding, and pale skin, and fuck tons of hair, so much hair, and blue, and guns, upon guns, upon guns, upon guns, upon guns, to the point where guns just lose all meaning. (laughs) Like, there's more, it's, it's insane. It's, it's like someone mixed up, you know, the entire excitement of what a vampire film is, is that you've got these really specific ways to kill vampires, and zombies even, and all of these things, you have these very specific lore wrapped around them, and that's what's thrilling, because you can't just kill them normally, you've got to do a specific thing. And Underworld, over the movies that I watched, just gradually, systemically destroys that perfect house of vampirism, which is beautiful and has towers and gargoyles, and it just shoots them away. As if they mean nothing, because bullets. Mm, bullets. Lots of bullets. I'm almost surprised you didn't include the amount of leather and And leather. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that's real leather. I was telling my friend that I was watching, and he's like, is that the one where Kate Beckinsale just looks laminated all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I was oh like, yes, yes, it is the one in which Kate Beckinsale is laminated. That is what the film is. Times. Four. Okay, so let's let's start with the film that kicked off the lamination of Kate Beckinsale and vampires. <laughs> let's yes. let's dig into the first Underworld from two thousand and three. The war itself had become more perilous. The weapons had evolved, but our orders remained the same. Hunt them down and kill them off, one by one. They are the immortal damned. One family lusting for power and wealth. The chain has never been broken, not in 14 centuries. Another driven by revenge. Soon we'll defeat the vampires on their own ground. this human. He's attractive. I can't be positive, but I'm beginning to think the Lycans are following him. Hold on, Michael. Why are they after you? What do you make of the general conceit that this film in particular and then the entire rest of the franchise is based on of this underground war between werewolves, the Lycans, and the vampires? So actually, the idea of werewolves versus vampires is actually a really nice premise. Like, I like that idea. That is a fun premise. You know, you can pit two gothic masterpieces against one another, have them tear each other to bits with their teeth. And then, but that is 
that is where my respect for it dies because then it it literally unravels any excitement that that might have had by yes occasionally it buries it in reasonably entertaining twisty stuff with classical actors like was it charles dance that just rocked up in the third one fourth one i think he did in the- yeah, in the Dance? third one. Yeah, yeah Charles and the, Derek yeah. Jacobi is in the second one, which yes, I did not exactly. remember at all. Because every time they popped up, I'd be like, look at these vampire elders that mm-hmm. they've managed to bring in actors of caliber for to put in ridiculous coats. They always make the vampires wear ridiculous coats. And I just feel like it's the most weirdly bloodless vampire thing. Because despite the fact that vampires love blood and they're all about teeth... I actually feel like, I feel like the undo of being a vampire, like I feel like everyone in it is talking around fangs, but just never really mentions the fact that they're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 are they, where do they drink? Where's food? Well, what's interesting, I love that you bring it up, because I don't think they actually kill a single human. So, Kate does, in the fourth one that's kind of the third one. Yeah, but once one barely there's no the the idea of vampires feeding on human blood seems to not exist in this universe yeah it's kaput it's the most it's weird because people always shit on twilight and i really like the first twilight because i like that kind of intensity vampire human thing everyone's quite literally thirsty but he literally feels like bella is like crack i think he calls her that like he would just murder everyone in the room just to get at her and i like that aspect of vampirism because that adds the broodiness to being a vampire of like oh no one understands me and also i want to eat everybody and i can't do that you know, so, but then there's nothing. You know, she is happily in the car with M- Michael. There we go, I remembered a name. When he's not turned into the blue monster yet, she's in the <laughs> car with him. And she's not even like, not even a whiff of, oh, I could, I could eat you. Mm, lunch. None of that. And it kind of, it removes any of the attractive, literal, thirsty, horny elements from vampirism because vampirism is sexy, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you're a bit dangerous. It removes that entirely. It literally removes the fangs of yeah. that in 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 any capacity and just replaces them with bullets. They may as well have bullets in their mouths, Anna. Like they could just have their teeth removed and just have like machine gun bullets put in. Bullets. And then they could Yeah, and then they can have a conceit about it being <laughs> stuffed with silver or something stupid. But honestly, what was even the point in them being vampires if they're not going to eat anybody? Well, I tell you what the point is, and that's my next question. What do you think about this vampire world that mainly seems to revolve around hierarchies and formalities and processes that they love? <laughs> it's like it's basically like a giant Excel spreadsheet, but with vampires. <laughs> it's like a goth, shiny, pleather-esque spreadsheet. Yeah, it... it- It is like, because I like the idea of lowering a film where you feel like that's been happening long before you've tuned in. It's like when a book just kind of scoops you up and takes you along in its world and introduces you to its world. It's trying to do that, but it's all pointless. The idea that Bill Nye's gonna, she's wakened him up a hundred years too early because it was Victor's turn to rule and all the rest of it. But all they actually seem to be doing is having parties. And here's the thing. I it really really irritates me 
how similar the vampires look to the werewolves. Because they're meant to like distinguish between them. But actually, everyone's just hairy. They've all got long hair. They all have brooding jawlines. Some of them have beards. Um, but literally, they're all the same. Everybody looks the same. I'm watching you laugh on Zoom here because you're literally crying with laughter. I honestly didn't realise. And then fucking Michael Sheen drops up <laughs> looking like a... T- looking for all intents and purposes, like a Twilight spoof. Because yes, this was 2003, but I've seen everything since then. And him trying to act seriously and being... Also, he has the first line in the entire movie because nobody says anything until about 15 minutes in because everyone's been too busy shooting each other for us then to go, oh, here's there's going to be some lore in a minute, in a minute, and it'll be pointless and useless. But you're going to think everyone's pretty, but toothless. So you can't even be horny about it because they're just pointless. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to admit that when I first saw this film, Louise. In 2003. In 2003 in the cinema as a baby, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. teenage baby. Yep. This film confused me for the better part of a decade. <laughs> <laughs> who, who confused you? Because I thought based on this film in 2003 that Michael Sheen Michael Sheen was a hot man oh no that is not a fact and I blame no, this film no that's, that's an unfact Anna. I blame this that film. is a distinct unfact <laughs> just because you dress him up with the hair and the beard and the jawline and the coat doesn't mean there's not much as of a confusing as the new metal was no there's not that's why the beard hides it but it's it's um it's I can't believe that I hadn't seen them and I don't know why I never saw them. Everyone's quite surprised that I didn't cut my little horrory teeth on Underworld at any point, but I never did. And I'm really glad I didn't because I might too have found them enjoyable in some capacity. <laughs> because at points, and I'll be honest, and the thing is, I love Kate Beckinsale. She's hot. She's really hot. She's a beautiful, beautiful human wearing great boots and with a cracking coat. And at points... There were points where I think the movie might have been half the length if they'd just done it at the right speed because a lot of the time she was just landing in slow motion and spinning in slow motion. And in the sequel, I think she pouts in slow motion and kills someone. So, I mean, that's all very appealing. But she doesn't have anything else. She's in a film of pointlessness, vapid pointlessness of blood-free garbage. (laughs) So what do you think about... I agree with you. Adore Kate Beckinsale. I think she's probably one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful women I've ever seen on screen. She's unbelievable. What do you think of her as um as an action star? Because this is as much well, it tries to be a horror film, but it's much more of an action horror. Um, you know, she's not Mila from Resi. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because Mila and Resi, while Resi is nonsense, and I secretly quite enjoy quite a lot of Resi because it's not Underworld. Um, I don't quite think... Until the until the sequels, where she actually finds her feet a little bit and runs up some walls, um, in the first bit, in the first movie, she's quite awkward. There's an awkwardness to her actionness, which I think mm. is unfortunate, because I feel like that's not on her. I feel like that's on the film, just having really loose footing. And one weird thing about not just Kate... And just the action in general. Everybody flies like they're on strings because they're on strings. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. 
<laughs> everyone is everyone is weirdly weightless, mm-hmm. but also springy. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really distracting, especially when you've been used to, you know, decades of watching people fall properly, and then you watch this, and you're like, why are you being pulled through the air like that? That's miraculous. That's my So my action doesn't lie, the action problem doesn't lie in Kate. I think she's doing the best with what she had, with what she was given. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Benjamin, is that Benjamin Franklin quote, do with what you've got, with I what you, don't where know. you are. And then there was a Calvin and Hobbes joke about it, saying he probably wasn't in the bath when he made that comment. Yeah, never mind. Let's carry okay. on. But yes, it's not her fault. She didn't mean it. I'm sure she meant, she means well. <laughs> That's all I can say for her. And what do you think of the... You've, you've kind of mentioned two very specific words that I think are very telling and very of the time that this film is made. And those words are new metal. When you mentioned new metal, that's also the first thing that I thought when I was rewatching the films. And... Yeah. The music of it and the visual language of it feels so much of that pocket of time in the early 2000s when we were all very confused and thought yes. that new metal was a good idea. And listening to a lot of Evanescence. Yep. It is more, instead of a black and white movie, it's a blue and white movie, isn't it? It's just very blue. And not in that like cool, sleepy hollow filter way, just blue just really really blue and i say this having watched and speaking of new metal i was re-watching a stack of the saw movies for mike munzer for evolution of horror and those have like a scuzzy greenness which is almost new metal mm. but underworld has this just deep obsession with blue like in the i mean and the thing is at the start, it starts with she's. I think she's in this like bell tower, and it's raining, yes. and it's all very Batman, and there's gargoyles. That's quite cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. It's it looks a like shot. a graphic novel. It is a wonderful shot. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. They must have like got a new director of photography for the rest of it. But like, it the fact that she just <laughs> I'm watching <laughs> was that too much? I mean, it's true. The first shot was great. The rest of it was dismal. Listen, like, I it just, just, I just love it when you go full savage, and I'm just reminding myself never get on the wrong side of Louise. <laughs> just don't make this film. <laughs> That's, I just, I just don't really understand that even why in 2003 mm-hmm. this launched another four movies afterwards. I do find that quite staggering because it's just, it's so bloodless and inoffensive. Mm. I think that's my problem with it. It's just it's just bland. And even in 2003, bland shouldn't have sold. That shouldn't have been a thing. And and that's not to do with Kate Beckinsale who had clearly just done a lot of period drama before and especially the first line she said was very I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. But then she got used to it. Um, but I think I, it staggers me that something so meh, even with new metal sensibilities, mm-hmm. could continue a franchise that had what a recent one in twenty sixteen. That that to me that boggles my mind, really. You know, we've spoken very lightly about the plot, so we've spoken about kind of the world of the lichens versus the the vampires. None of them really care that much about feeding themselves or blood. They just want to kill no. each other. Um, yeah, but then they all coalesce around this one dude. Michael, played by Scott Speedman of Felicity fame, I think. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's a blast. That I did not know that was lodged in my brain, but there it is. Yeah. Um, there we go. 
what did you think of the of, well, I guess of the the story of this idea of a chosen one of a long bloodline who can become a sort of hybrid vampire werewolf? Again, I'm into that. That's cool. And then it destroys it and makes him a, just a blue man. Just <laughs> makes him a giant blue painted man, which is not and has him have a terrible fight with Bill Nye. I mean it's it's like all of these plot lines, I feel probably were in some degree used in Buffy at some point. You know, I felt like when I was watching, especially the way that the movies are structured, like there's this big plot line about this hybrid, about the battles, there's only but all of that actually feels like a long running sort of TV show. They don't close off the narrative at the end of each movie. In fact, the fourth one just ends on, oh, we're finished, we're done. You know, they don't seem to, they don't have any narrative closure. So while they have these grand ideas of a, a wonderful lore filled vampire versus werewolf plot, actually, it's really rote and doesn't have any real, it just doesn't have any re- real sort of meaning to the narrative. I mean, do you think, I mean, did you keep, like, do you think it gave you anything to keep up with? Do you know what I found surprising? about rewatching the film is that usually in these films and I kept thinking a lot about the Matrix while I was watching it for yes. obvious visual reasons for obvious coat reasons for yes. obvious you know boot reasons and the fact that Selene is basically a knockoff trinity in so many ways but what I did find interesting and not necessarily in a good way is the fact that the chosen one the the guy who or the person the character who's supposed to be the chosen one who is meant to be an exception to all the rules usually is the lead like we'd follow his story or their story but here michael barely says anything we don't know anything about him we just know that he comes from this bloodline all of his backstory is explained through exposition through other characters he doesn't actually get to do that much until he is turned into this hybrid thing and then he gets he gets a little fight with bill nye but he doesn't even get to kill bill nye kate beckinsale no she does it yeah yeah and then they have this sort of i guess by default romance between them did that did that work for you no, <laughs> nothing worked for me. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing worked for me in this movie. Every time it came up with a reasonable plot point, it destroyed it. Like, I also quite like the idea. And now, because I've watched them both at once and it's melded into one, mm-hmm. did the first one explore the blood memory thing or was that just the second one? Because I like the idea of a vampire feasting and going, now I know your memories because I ate you. I quite like that. Like a consumption thing. That's a cool theme. Well, I think that's a good point to talk about the second one, Underworld Evolution. Some history is based on truth. Some on lies. The war between vampire and lichen has raged for centuries. I was a loyal soldier in that battle, but I was betrayed. And now my own kind have turned against me. Yet I alone hold the key to saving our future. A powerful immortal has returned. Marcus, he is the one, the first true vampire. He was exiled over 300 years ago. What makes you think we're going to find him now? I was the one who exiled him. Vowing to release an unimaginable evil. There is only one. 
one way to defeat him. Find the girl, bring her to me. Which came three years after the the first one. And that's the one where there's the blood memory thing comes in. I know they sort of meld all into one, but what did you make of the of the sequel? Well, that's where I found it interesting sequel-wise, because it literally starts off where the last one ended, like straight off. Like it's done that saw thing where it's like, you watched the first one yesterday and we're not really going to, well, actually I say that we're not going to tell you anything. They do. They do some really terrible previously on flashbacks at the start, (laughs) which actually made me wish they didn't because then it's like, I know I just watched that five minutes ago. (laughs) But I think I actually found, um, I found the fact that the second one went interesting places I thought the stupid action sequences with the giant wingy vampire were the stupidest things I've ever seen, but it was fun. I liked the fact that we didn't have to mess around with him being human because he was super-powered. I mean, it was just as daft, just as silly, but we got more actors in and we kind of went deeper into the sort of vampire... Well, actually, we were already in it, but I feel like we did some interesting lore and story things. Maybe. Slightly more interesting the first one. Well, it kind of tries to explain the backstory of the whole feud between lichens and vampires, right? And did you feel that it kind of turned or tried to go a little bit Shakespearean with the whole like two brothers, one brother bitten by a bat, the other by a wolf? By a wolf? Because it did a previously, it did, it literally thought it earned a title screen giving us history. It did not earn that red title saying, ah, the lichens and this. It didn't really earn that at all. I mean, I'm going to get to my notes. I love that my notes for the first one, something just says, oh, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally just one of my notes that just says, oh, Kate, slow-mo swirly coat. Let me get to my notes. I did a drawing. You did a drawing? Anna. Mm -hmm. Was it a drawing of Derek Jacobi? No, (laughs) it was her... (laughs) I love it. It's pow yeah. pow, swish swish. Mm-hmm. That's swish the movie. swish, boots boots. <laughs> um, I think I just gave up. I think I just gave up. Literally under Underworld Awakening, all it says is guns are always the answer. Because <laughs> well, once again, guns. So many guns, and then. Where are all the traditional vampire tropes? Because even though we get a little bit more blood stuff and but there's just nothing there's nothing vampire about it at, at all they i found it the second one i'll be honest i found actually quite boring because at least in the first one there's quite a lot of pow pow um yeah and you know a lot of bill nye that's always great that's always good always yeah. good uh, and some nice outfits. But in the second one, it's a lot of talk. It's a lot of lore that they just explain, but don't but don't earn, don't show. And the showing of it and the way that the the vampires and the werewolves, especially Marcus and William, the original werewolf, they're just very CGI from the mid noughties. Yeah. There's a lot of CG. It's terrible CG too. It's terrible CG, and the like the creaturefication of the vampire mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, people have different preferences and stuff, and I think like it can work really well. Like last week we covered Thirty Days of Night, and I'd forgotten how vicious, oh, what a movie. 
how vicious looking and scary and inhuman those vampires look, right? And they're terrifying. There's just there's just a smidge of humanity there, but they look like monsters. But this, like one of my notes for Underworld Evolution was using hybrid vamp like and pincers i think i say here <laughs> to open cans of paint because there's a moment oh, yes, to, sh- <laughs> to throw them on the walls at the windows to so she could get out the car oh and i'm like is this really the best use of your powers my dude you're like the one in a world like in vampire hybrid and you're just you're a can opener that's what you're oh, doing you're a can opener but <laughs> but i also love the fact that Despite being told that he's, you know, the one in all the world that can do X, Y, and Z, we actually don't know what his powers are. Hmm. We have no idea. She even says, I think it's in the second one, we have no idea what your powers can do. Which is the most, it's like Chekhov's sentence, isn't it? Okay, I'm sure this will be replayed at the end. Do you think that was just like a post-it note on a script or it's like, we need to get back to this bit, guys. And then nobody did. And then suddenly they were shooting it and it was like, ah, shit, we need something here. We need a power here. We need him to use one of his powers that's not opening cans. But (laughs) what did you think, though? There was, when you're talking about the vampire lore, there was a couple of things that were interesting. Um, So I wonder kind of what you thought about not just the blood memories thing, but also the the notion that vampires can reproduce organically, as in not by turning people, but by having children. That to me is really strange because, and I think all of these things would be really interesting if we had a setup that we were invested in with a set of rules. And I think when you break those rules, that's when they become more interesting, isn't it? So you think, you know, that's why so much of Buffy worked because you thought you knew what vampire rules were. And then someone said, oh, it's not like it is in the stories, like it's X, Y, and Z. So you were given your new set of rules. But because Underworld, almost assumes that you know what a vampire is, doesn't give you any of its own lore, doesn't tell you... I mean, I don't want to know if they have to be invited in, for instance, but I do want to know what kills them, what's weak, what they're strong to, what they can and can't do. And then that way, when someone pulls in, you know, oh, we can we can reproduce, it's actually interesting. But I think because it's not handled any of those things, Underworld doesn't earn any of its pivots. It doesn't earn a single one of its changes because it doesn't lay down the ground rules to start with. It just piles on bullets. Teeth bullets. I I get that it didn't work for you, but what do you think of the way that this film deploys um, action and, and violence and action and violence? Yeah, Violence and action, action and violence. Mm-hmm. I think... I think this, the entire idea of an action film is that you care about the people that are in it, right? So you, the risk is real and therefore you're interested when they are in a truck and a werewolf is coming through the windscreen of the truck because you want them to live. But I think because it never really gives you any of that, so so much of the action is empty. So while some of it is stylish... You know, some of it is very stylish. There's swishes and there's flicks and there's really, really purposeful shots where the bit at the end of the first one, for instance, where Kate Beckinsale brings up the sword in slow motion and the blood runs down it in slow motion. And that's how we discover that Bill Nye has been stabbed. And all of those things are fun and interesting. And if we cared, it would be better. So I think it's just... I love action and violence, but I feel like they're just... They're, they don't hold me for any 
I, I just keep asking, why do I care? And it's actually a real feat to make interesting action dull, but it does do that repeatedly. <laughs> even the Bill Nye, even the Bill Nye killing scene. Even the Bill Nye killing scene, because the fight is just. I mean, I did enjoy. Do you know, what I did enjoy the venom pouring off Bill Nye's teeth while they were fighting. I like that bit. That was good. But again, that's almost a glimpse because what I want to see is a monster. Mm-hmm. And if you show me a monster, I'll be happy. But but it just doesn't follow through with any of it. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any of it purposeful or real or... No. I'm sorry, Anna. I feel like I just... I wanted, I wanted to like it so much more than I did because it's so up my street. Mm-hmm. But it's just like they just repeatedly mess up. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I don't remember them being as boring as I found them. Maybe it's a time thing. It's definitely a time thing. What I do what I do find really interesting is this lore that they build up but almost don't seem storytelling-wise and visually talented enough to pull off. There was one cool scene mm-hmm. when the guy was a werewolf was pushing the bullets out of his own flesh. Oh, that yeah. was interesting. Never revisited. Never. The idea that you can expel bullets. Never revisited. Nope. Well, that's Michael nope. Sheen in the first one, I think. Because there's a lot of was close-ups. My- yeah, there was a lot of close-ups, which I thought was cool. I was like, ooh, and it's never going to happen. And if you could do it fast, mm-hmm. just think you could just kill people with it. Don't go on. Yeah. Excellent. But no, that wasn't revisited either. <laughs> what did you think of um the cast in the second one that that shows up i'm thinking especially of like older actors like derek jacoby like charles dance who are there for some reason yeah that was bizarre they just kept brought it's like oh who are we going to get as like some kind of vampire elder and then the every time they cast a vampire elder i was like oh that's a great person for that so it's almost like their poor casting their casting director agent was on it like they were like yeah we've got we've got charles dance you're just gonna have to write them script um but it just makes me sad because these clearly had a lot of money behind them, even mm-hmm. in these sequels, like a lot, because they look expensive and they feel expensive. It's just like a really expensive breath of air. It's just not even, it's just inoffensive, offensively inoffensive, bloodless nonsense. Where do you think it sits? Because I do find it interesting that it is like a franchise. So it worked well enough for some people to commission mm-hmm. several not one not two three sequels wait four four, four sequels. sequels four sequels so three sequels and a prequel and there's now a tv show in development based on this based on this franchise oh, yeah stop flogging this stop flogging this very dead vampire <laughs> also i tried to um <laughs> i was i started the third one the prequel the rise of the lichens the Rise of the Lycans, but then that doesn't have Kate Beckinsale in it. No. It has a fake Kate Beckinsale, who I decided to call Cheapskate Beckinsale. Are you talking about Rana Mitra? Yep. But she's great. <laughs> she is amazing, but I couldn't. Last night I was like, nope, you're not Kate Beckinsale, I'm turning you off. Turned it off, went on to the next Kate Beckinsale one. Fair enough. I was just, but yeah, I was just really enamoured with my terrible pun. So it was fine. <laughs> I 
I also remember seeing that in the cinema. I had such bad taste. Um, I don't know why. I, I mean, I have terrible taste and I don't even, I don't know why these are, didn't, I didn't walk into the cinema to see any of these. I also, I have not revisited it for the purposes of this podcast, mainly because I would like to not be confused again about Michael Sheen. And I remember very distinctly that he got ripped for like half a minute for this film. And I do not yep. wish to revisit this. I don't need it in my life. I'm okay. It's okay. He's a great character actor. That's that's the box that I want him in. Yep. Leave him in that box. But nail him into that box. <laughs> Which is again not even a th- I mean, oh, just a like a hint of a coffin, just something to save vampires. Yeah, they do the the little underground boothy things where they just sleep for I, Actually, I found that scene quite interesting when they wake up the Bill Nye character in the first one through blood. Yeah, with all the blood. Yeah, that's the closest it gets to vampires. And it's like a, a whole medical procedure and it takes him yeah, a Yeah, and he's attached to all those time. pipes. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I love that, but again, doesn't really explain any of it. And also, n- no. that blood comes from blood bags. So it's weirdly sort of like they're vegan vampires, but none of it is Are really they all? Explained. Are they all vegan vampires? Like, she... It genuinely boggled my mind how she could just hang out in that car with him and just be like, you're coming over. And that's it. And how none of the... Like, the vampires seemed a little bit pissed off that they had a human in the house, Mm. but they weren't, like, rabid dogs or anything. They weren't, like... Which is what I would like them to be. Mm -hmm. They just... They were just so... Yeah. I mean, she was not... They just were not into each other either as food or as love interest at all. Food or friends, neither. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I mean, we've bashed them enough. So let's just let's just completely bury this franchise with (laughs) Underworld Awakening. Yes, the modern day, twelve years after. Yes, Yes. that's the one from two thousand and twelve. Yes, that's the one where there is no Scott Speedman from Felicity. Nope, and there is no Bill Nye. There is no Derek Jacobi. That's Mm-mm. the one with Charles Dance. And yes. what's his face, pretty boy from something else? A YA He's definitely franchise. From something else. He's from a, one of the YA franchises. But in this one, the conceit is uh, well, Stephen Rea shows, shows up. Fun for him. But the conceit is that humans know that vampires and lichens exist. They don't like them. But also, Celine and. Scott Speedman have had a vampire hybrid daughter. So, again, (laughs) again, the idea of humans discovering that vampires and werewolves are a thing is interesting. Mm -hmm. And actually, the introduction to this movie has like loads of kind of found footage news reports of like vampires and werewolves being rounded up and tested and put down and all of these things that purge. All of that is cool. That is a cool conceit. The idea of humans doing this is great because then the vampires are on the back foot. They have to fight back. But they were never on a foot to start with is the problem with Underworld. They were never this dominant force in the night. They were just these guys twirling about in coats shooting werewolves. So it doesn't actually matter to us that they've been pursued by humans. And it doesn't... Like, the weird thing is that this movie... It's actually almost like a police procedural in some ways because it's got the police involved going, we must investigate these non-vampires escaping this, you know, facility. 
And it's, again, massively ill-judged. Because when we do follow Celine, that's when she kills someone for the first time. She kills a human. And I was like, you can do it. Look at you. Go you. You can murder them. This is great. And then she doesn't do it again. And then she gets all soppy over her daughter and has a, literally one piece of script, which was... I'm not... What did she say? I'm not cold-hearted. I'm just broken-hearted. And it was just this sad monologue of sadness that she did. Oh my god, I, no. I've completely erased that from my mind. I've just got yeah. written new coat, white pink lip gloss. <laughs> yes! Why did she do that to her lips? Why? Why does she need why? to... Why is she wearing pink gloss, like, lip gloss that is very, very pink and very shiny? It kind of goes against the whole new metal goth thing. Do you know what might have happened, Anna? Mm. She might have got 50% off on Glossier. Listen. She might have got 50% off on Glossier with that Friends of Glossier code, which I, yes, profited massively from. (laughs) Same. I felt alive. I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's happened. (laughs) So yeah, so maybe, maybe Celine got 50% off her birthday cake Glossier lip balm (laughs) and decided to show up with that. It was weirdly sparkly flesh color. I didn't like it at all. The one thing that I genuinely enjoyed, because I have a soft spot for this era, and I have a soft spot for kind of new metal gothy vibe, horror-adjacent films from that time, at the best of times, you get something like The Crow with Brandon Lee, which is amazing, and kind of like a, a modern gothic approach. And at the worst of times, you get Underworld Awakening, where they can't even get the, the hot topic new metal gothy vibes right because she's wearing a fucking grey coat that looks like it was reduced to clear at Zara (laughs) (laughs) it's she it's it's actually unforgivable like really (laughs) the one consistent element about this entire franchise is how great Kate Beckinsale looks in a Big, totally. In a big, long, pleather, black coat and like and laminated. Big boots. <laughs> big boots. Big laminated. Boots. <laughs> laminated entirely in a, in like a skin tight black pleather suit or a spandex suit and like that amazing corset that she wears that yeah. frankly looks great, but also very bad for fighting, I'd imagine, because your entire oh, totally. movement is constrained. But yeah, yeah, they've even taken that away. What is the point yeah, of that? It was, it was all gone. And also, I also think it's really, I don't know, there's something, the idea about bringing a sort of child in as Mm. sort of him, the replacement to show that she has, you know, feelings and uh, the whole point of Celine is that she's not really, even with him, it didn't seem like she's really capable of feelings. So then by the time a daughter rocks up, we're meant to be like, oh, this is great. This makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't make any perfect sense. It doesn't. And do you know, again, there was another moment of vampireness. They fed the girl. They like she, the one of the vampire elders, she opened up her wrist and fed her. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is the most vampire this vampire series has been in three movies. Three movies. It took three movies before we got someone, ooh, a little bit feeding action. Like, why why did it take so long? Because that was the only blood bit. The idea of like, and I like the idea of a little monster just going, oh my god, blood, real blood. I've not been on ice forever. Like, I like that. I like that, but also 
I keep thinking this entire franchise, we actually get quite, we get a few scenes of um, Celine feeding someone from her wrist and like cutting her wrist open to reanimate yes. Victor and feeding Scott yep. Speedman as well, I think. But the thing is, if these vampires just keep feeding on each other, is that like vampire incest? Yeah. Because vampire cannibalism, eating each other... I mean, hasn't there been... I'm trying to remember and I'm trying to think about how vampire blood is really, really rich and how it can save them. And I can't even think about it. It must have been in multiple things mm. that it's like basically mega-powered because that's what changes normal humans into vampires. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely like that aspect of things to it. But the idea that they're just casually just opening a vein... Just making themselves like Uber Eats on the go. <laughs> like, it's just like, it just doesn't hold any power because we've never been told any of the rules. Yes. I think that's the thing. We've never told. And also, that bit with Scott Speedman where she literally sticks her hand in his chest and wakes him up with a squeeze of the heart and then back out again. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Is it stupider than Scott Speedman using his like super powered hybrid? Um- army wing things to open up cans of paints i don't oh, oh it wasn't it wasn't scott speedman she saved sorry it was the other pretty guy um i think <laughs> it was on par i think it was on par i think opening paint cans with your superpowers and sticking your hand in a dude's chest when that's never been a thing that you've done before just to give his heart a quick squeeze and reactivate him like putting batteries in a toy is they're equally as stupid <laughs> i mean as much as I love to hear you eviscerate the film, and I'm done. It's it's been bloodier than the three underworld films that you've watched and I've rewatched, <laughs> which I think is saying something. I I wanted to ask you a question to kind of round it up. So, mm-hmm. where do you think these films sit in the sort of horror or horror adjacent action films that we were getting around this era? from the early to like the the late noughties i mean i'd like to say that they sit under a rock under a chain under an anvil at the bottom of the sea which is where i would put them but in terms of other horror i mean i guess they're like shit resident evil clones to me (laughs) the vampires and resident evil is bad enough um but at least they're fun and underworld doesn't even isn't even as good as those i mean i think ultraviolet might be better i mean that's the that's the realm we're in, I think, or on at least on par. And also, there's that same pattern of the director and his leading lady being together, exactly the same as there is in Resident Evil. Like it's that's also not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think in some ways, like Mila and um, Paul and Kate and Len, like it's so they're both very similar in that way. But Resi definitely to me. I can't believe I'm saying this, is the far superior franchise. (laughs) Bold. Bold, Louise Blaine. Yep. Yep. I mean, and I like the fact that they did all that thing that if we're revisiting franchises of this is the one that was filmed in 3D, this is the one that did this, because that was the fourth one was Mm -hmm. filmed in 3D. There wasn't even that much eye stabbing, although I think I wrote at some point, was this the 3D one? (laughs) Because it's a bit like that Final Destination with spikes flying through the air. But yeah, like, it uh, it makes me sad to be to hate because I wish it was better because if it was better it would be absolutely my thing and I would probably have a tattoo of Celine on me but I don't because it's bad. Do you know what? we we can't fight a losing battle? No, we can't. 
because we're, we don't have any guns, Anna. Maybe <laughs> if we had guns, or we pointy would do wings, pointy wings, pointy wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pointy wings. Or those awful. There was that. You know the bit with um the crazy vampire with the wings, the big wings attacking yeah. the truck. Yeah, he reminded me of the monster from Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. So when I was thinking about it, I was just like, you should just like roll the truck over and back and over and back and that would get rid of that particular vampire yeah absolutely don't want any jeepers creepers oh god no for many reasons yeah Mm. so to round up please (laughs) i'm so sorry i've thoroughly enjoyed this but people need to listen people need to listen to this you're gonna you better edit this immensely I mean, I'm going to edit out my losing my shit and laughing so hard. That's what I'm going to edit out. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you whether you would recommend it or not because I've just eviscerated them. But yeah. would you like to see the Underworld films made by someone else and made better? Totally. Absolutely. Because, yeah, they're just they're made out of good stuff. Mm. They're made out of monsters. And monsters are good. We like monsters. So I love vampires. I really, really love vampires. I've loved vampires for a long, long time. And to watch them be so... (sighs) To put stabilizers on them for Underworld was just the saddest thing. So yes, give it to someone else. Give it to someone who can make horror and action that people give a fuck about. And And on that vicious note, thank you so much, Louise, for your time (laughs) and your insight. I... Well, it's not ready, but I'm so grateful that I was here to witness you just absolutely demolish three films in under an hour. Thank you for having me. <laughs> what are you up to now? Where can people find more of your work online, Louise? Um, I think the best place to find all of my bits is Twitter. So I'm at shiny underscore demon. And I'm sorry again. <laughs> no apology necessary. And that's it for this episode of the Final Goals Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. If you can, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It genuinely helps a lot. You can also find out more about what we do over on thefinalgoals.co.uk, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Final Goals UK. If you can, and you're so inclined, please head over to patreon.com forward slash the Final Goals, where we'll be posting bonus episodes and more goodies. You can also follow Louise over on Twitter, Twitter at shiny underscore demon and I am at Anime Demented. Thank you for listening so far and next week we are continuing in the noughties and we'll be discussing two international takes on the vampire. Let the right one in and thirst. <laughs>